It's good to be seen versus viewed. I'll say that again. It's good to be seen versus viewed. Amen. Well, I just want to say uh, it's an honor and privilege to be here today. I'm thankful to be alive. I don't take that for granted. Um, you know, sometimes life is just so, you know, we're kind of used to it and we can take some things for granted, but let's not do that. Let's just thank God for being here. Amen. Thank God for Pastor Wade and Pastor Cynthia. Thank God for them and their family. I want to say to you as a pastor, uh, someone that stood in the pulpit and stood in the office for years, I know what it's like to relinquish your pulpit for someone to come in to speak because once something said, it can't be unheard. And um, for them to have that confidence in me to come and speak the word of the Lord, I thank you for that. I honor you. And y'all put your hands together for the pastor that God gave you. Come on. Don't play with it. Put your hands together. Now, I want to tell you that if you had 99 problems, your pastors ain't one of them. Y'all hear what I'm saying? All right. So, so don't, don't, don't get it twisted. The pa your, pastors, <laughs> your pastors are the gift of God to you. And we honor them as such. I want to just say real quick, I want to thank God for my lovely wife, Mona. Uh, every time, I've, um, every time I've, I've shined in life and every time I've, I've faltered in life, she's been right beside me. Uh, come June the 3rd, we'll be married 34 years. And, um, and we just thank God. I thank God for her and for our wonderful son, AJ, who's uh, be here any moment. Thank God for them. They make uh, doing what I do as a husband and a father. They make it a joy. I thank God for them. Uh, let's pray, and we'll get right into this. Blessed are the short-winded, because they'll be invited to speak again. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word today. I thank you for this time, for this season, for this appointment. I thank you for these, your people. Your word is anointed, and I declare right now that every word of God is full of power. And as I speak forth your word today, I'll do it accurately, with boldness, and with clarity. Thank you that the Holy Spirit helps me to do just that. I declare right now my mouth and my spirit are plugged into your Holy Spirit, and I will say what you would have me to say. I thank you that my speech and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power of God, so that our faith would not stand in the wisdom of a man, but our faith would only stand in your power. For this, we give you thanksgiving and praise in advance. We remind the devil he's defeated. We celebrate that you, God, are exalted, and we rejoice today that Jesus is Lord. So for this, we give you thanksgiving and praise in advance. And everyone in agreement shouted amen. 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 Open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. And beginning at verse number 1. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me what hast thou in the house? And she said, thine handmaid, 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 hath not anything in the house save or except a pot of oil. Then he said, go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee, and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her, and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. He said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she said, Then she came rather, and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Now, I want to talk to you today from my heart, but I believe the Lord has assigned me to speak to you today here in this house. And the title of my message is, What's in Your House? Now, I want to just say this. I want to preface this by saying that what's in your house is bigger than what might be in your hand right now. And um, before I get started real good, let, let's just clarify, because many times as I found this as a pastor, I don't know, Pastor Wade and, and Pastor Cynthia, you may have seen this as well and experienced over the years. I found that um, certain topics when I was pastoring would kind of clinch people up in their seat at times, not all the time, but sometimes. And one of those topics is kind of like money. If you think that all I'm talking about today is money, you've missed the mark. Because I want to talk to you today about what God has placed in your heart 
that is supposed to be in your life. Um, you know, uh, I went to school, and um, praise the Lord. And it's amazing to me that when I went to science class, nobody ever complained in science that the teacher wasn't talking about English. And it's amazing when I went to English, nobody ever complained that the teacher wasn't talking about social studies. Because in each class, there was a certain regimen, there was a certain curriculum, a certain level of insight I needed in that class that um, I had to have an appreciation for that subject so that I could have a well-rounded approach in my educational endeavors. And um, in the church world, I think we missed it in some ways because um, we've let the world taint our expectation that whenever your pastor starts talking about money, he's trying or she's trying or they're trying to get something from you. No. See, if the pulpit doesn't teach it, the pew can't reach it. So there are things that God will, wants to enrich your life in that he wants to give you a well-rounded approach to living. And one of those things is your finances. I guarantee you nobody in, under the sound of my voice goes to work on a nine to five, five days a week, 40 hours a week because you just love the company. No, you love the company, but when 40 hours are up, give me my money. And it's, it's amazing. Like I go to Walmart. Well, praise the Lord. Take your hand, take your life in your own hands. Go to Walmart. And when, I, when you get to the counter at Walmart, after you shop their aisles, they don't want to know what church you attend. They don't want to know, are you Republican, Democrat, Independent? They don't want to know anything about your belief system. All they want is your money. And in the church world, we've got we've to wise up to the fact that God wants to get some things in your hand, but he cannot get things in your hand and ultimately into your life if you have this jaded idea of what God thinks about money. The world's got it wrong, folks. Amen. We're going to have to get it right. And the only way to get it right is to be taught right. Thank God you got pastors that are willing and teaching you right. Come on, say, somebody say, thank God for my pastors. So what's in your house is dependent upon really four things. What's in your head, what's in your mouth, what's in your heart, what's in your hand. All of those four areas will ultimately impact what's in your life. Now I want to take a look at what this guy, Elijah, Elisha, said to this woman. See, the prophet um, responded to this lady whose, whose dilemma was evident. Now, it's kind of ambiguous to us today because we don't know anything about having sons that are about to be sold into bondmen, to be bondmen. Well, in the day this was written, they didn't have debt forgiveness, praise the Lord. They didn't have chapter 11, as it were. If you had a debt, you were a man, you were the head of your house, and um, you died before the debt was fulfilled, well, that's okay. If you didn't have provision to pay the debt off, we take your kids and we make them work off the debt. So this woman was in a very precarious situation because she has sons and her husband was a servant to Elisha. She served the ministry, as it were, but he apparently didn't have his house affairs in order. I'm going to say something today, and when I'm done with this, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going home. Um, so I'm going to say it and I'm going to hit it and quit it. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. <laughs> it's not a good thing for you as a man, as the head of your house, to be boat rich and house poor. Or sneaker rich, got all these sneakers, you got a wall full of sneakers, you got all the toys, and you've not taken care of your household. See, part of my duty to my wife for these 33 years is to love her to life. You know, if I zig on the road and I'm supposed to zag, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The Holy Spirit is perfect, but I have bad judgment at times. If I turn the wrong way, God forbid, and I end my life prematurely, she shouldn't have to be working and wondering and do a GoFundMe on Facebook to pay for my funeral. Wow. And I'm telling you what I saw as a pastor. People will be very extravagant in their life, and they buy all the toys but didn't handle their business. And I'm telling you right now, it's a bad testimony as a man to not love your family to life. If you love them, get you a good life insurance policy. It's quiet. I told you I'm going home after this, okay? You... No, I, I, I love my, I've had a hefty life insurance policy for years because I want to make sure that when my son was growing up and my wife, I didn't want them, if I were to leave here prematurely, for them to have to struggle to make ends meet. So the life insurance policy would simply replace the level of living they were accustomed to while I was here. So I figured my wife can get married after I'm gone. 30 years is long enough for any widow to live. So in 30 years' time, after I'm gone, she can remarry. Oh, he's not going to spend my policy money. No. No. But I want her 
I want her to be able to go on and live life and smile at the home going, at, smile at the memorial service because she knew I handled my business. Somebody say, show you right, Pastor. This woman's sons were about to be sold into debtor's prison. Look what the prophet asked her. The prophet asked her, he says, what's in your house? He didn't even ask her what was in her hand. He said, what's in your house? Now, the question he asked her, it probed into her level of three things. Her level of insight, her level of preparedness, and her level of people skills. See, what he asked her was, what's in your house? In other words, do you really know what's in your house? What if God were to tell somebody on your road today to pay off all your debt? Could you give them a number right now? You know, Proverbs said it this way, do well to know the state of your own flocks. And, it, you know, just because you don't look at the bill when they come in, the bills when they come in don't mean they're going away. They stay there whether you acknowledge and open the bill or not. Anybody? That's not, a, that's not rocket science, is it? See, many times I found this with men. We typically, if we can't figure stuff out as men, we tend to shut down. So sometimes men don't want to know what the doctor has to say about your body. You're wiping, wondering what's going on with your body. Any, any, any brothers ever been fighting the, the, the drawer disease? Y'all know what the drawer disease is? No, no, well, the drawer disease, brothers, is when your chest falls down into your drawers. Where, you know, like, it's like, it's Chester drawer disease. It's like, it, you was. And it's, um, it, it really, <laughs> that's why I had a coat on today. It really does not, it really doesn't benefit us to hide our, 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 our head in the sand regarding our financial matters or the business matters of your, of your household. You need to know what's in your house. So he asked her, what's in your house? Know the state of your body. Know the state of your finances. Know the state of your matters because that pleases God. The second thing, it, it, it examined the level of her preparedness. Was she prepared to live life when her husband was gone? I'm telling you right now, we need to really look into the future and make sure that we have lined our lives up and we prepared our lives for God's increase in our lives, not just financially, but in every area. Can you stand the increase that you want? You know, right now, you, you, you want a better wife. You want a better marriage. You want a better relationship with your spouse or your kids. Can't, is your life in a position to handle it? And I'm speaking to myself as well. All of us have areas in our lives where God will talk to you about preparing yourself for increase. You know, um, when, when you think about it, if you want, you can want a Suburban all day long, but if you got a, a garage that only fits a, an Escort, or you, you're going to have to make room for increase. You're going to have to increase, you're going to have to link, you're going to have to make, you're going to have to prepare. Oh, you're going to park that thing out under the oak tree, but you're not going to get it inside of a garage that's only made and only prepared for a small compact vehicle. The third thing is talks about it spoke to her level of people skills. Think about it. He told her to go and borrow vessels from your neighbors. You can't borrow anything from your neighbors if you don't have a good name. If the last time you borrowed, last time they loaned you anything, you kept it for three weeks and then you act like you were doing them a favor to return it in worse condition. So she had to have a good relationship to those around her. So when he asked her what's in your house, it spoke something to her, I believe, deeper than what we hear. I'm telling you right now, God wants to bless your life by people. Many times it don't look like you. And, you, can, you know, we can't afford as believers to go through life being mean to folks and being, un, being rude to people. See, um, Luke 6.38 says, when you give, it's given unto you. It'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down. Shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. See, God is not raining down note payments out of the sky. He's going to speak to the hearts of men and women in your life many times to be a blessing to your life. But many times they won't hear if you've been mean and if you've been rude and you've been disorderly. So we can't run away people when God wants to use people to get his purpose accomplished in your life. That's a good place to say amen. Somebody say God wants to use other people. Now, again, stay with me because I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about you being in the place where God wants to do in you and through you everything he's designed. Look at this now. With God, your seed in your hand, a seed in your life, is the master key that unlocks the vault of resources for your life. 
Can I say it this way? A seed will meet any need. You know, when we start talking to God about seeds, about needs rather, God have a need. I, I remember um, we got married in 19, June 3rd. We came up on my dad's birthday is our anniversary. On June 3rd, 1989, we got married. We had a huge wedding. Um, and about four months later, we're living in separate homes. And I remember telling God everything my wife wasn't doing. Yeah, I mean, I had a list and a sub list. You know, I knew I was very well trained in what she wasn't doing. And um, God began to talk to me about what I needed to do. He's just like that. He's just like that. So when I was talking to God about a need for her to change, God began to talk to me about seeds I could sow that would produce change. So when you start talking to God about needs, God will always start talking to you about seeds. What can you do to plant a seed today for a better life on tomorrow? Isn't that interesting? So we talk about needs to God, and God begins to talk to us about seeds that we need to sow in our lives. Now, look at this. God needed a bigger family. Somebody say, God needed a bigger family. So what did he do? He planted his son, Jesus the Christ. Do I have that up here? He needed a bigger family. And what did he do? He planted Jesus as the seed. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. Except a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it does die, it will bring forth much fruit. So God wanted to expand heaven. He needed to have a seed, and that seed's name was Jesus. Anybody glad that Jesus was planted as a seed? Come on, anybody glad that he was planted for you and I? Come on, here we go. The world needed this Savior, and Jesus was planted. Here's the verse, John 12, verses 24 through 25. Jesus was planted so that you and I could be the harvest that God wanted. Here we go. Here's another one. In John chapter 10, verse 6, 1 through 14, you can write it down. There was a multitude, and a young lad had a lunch, two fish, five loaves. And the Bible says that these folks that were in this area, matter of fact, let's look at this. After these things, make sure I'm at the right one. Yeah, they're right. I can draw my name. So after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is where? Which is the Sea of Tiberias. Come on, read with me. Next verse. Y'all got that? Next verse. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Let's keep reading. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Keep going. And the Passover feast of the Jews was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Notice this. And this he said to do what? To prove him, for he knew what he what would do. Notice now, Jesus wasn't kind of just winging it. He knew exactly what he was going to do, and he asked the question because he always has an answer in mind when he asked the question. Notice this. It says, um, and verse 7, Philip answered him and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Simon, Peter's brother, said unto him, there is a lad here which has five barley loaves, two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, look at this, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto the disciples, gather the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets. Look at this, 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Look at this, the multitude needed a feast. And Jesus planted this lad's lunch that he gave. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. See, so they had a need, but a lad sowed a seed. Yeah. Here we go. Here's another one. Uh, there was a crowd in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. You remember the story. In Luke 5, uh, Jesus wanted to preach. And um, we have these disciples that are around. And there's a fisherman in the bunch. Who was that? You remember that fisherman, guys? Y'all remember the fisherman? Talk to me. What was his name? Peter. It says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word, he stood by the lake of Gennesareth and saw two ships 
standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. Verse 4, and now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And at the conclusion of this story, this professional fisherman, even though it didn't make sense what Jesus told him to do, he obeyed. And when he loaned Jesus his boat for Jesus to preach over the lake, Jesus in turn took that seed of a boat that was lent by a professional fisherman. And he gave him a harvest that caused not only his boat, but the boat of those or the boats of those that were with him to sink because there was so many fish. I'm telling you right now, whenever you plant a seed, God has got something in turn to bring into your life. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, this statement that Elisha made to this woman was very telling again. Go back there to to 2 Kings. Um, Notice this. He said to her, he gave her several directives. Number one, he says, go and borrow vessels of all your neighbors. Now, he told her, number one, liquidate. Everybody say liquidate. liquidate. Now, I only have a few more moments. Stay with me, please. He said liquidate. Many times there's things in our lives we're looking for, for God to give us more, and we're looking for God to increase our lives, not only financially but in any area. But we fail to realize what is right there now. You know, if you want more love in your relationships, you're going to have to start giving more and realize the love that's already there. See, you know, many times we want more, but he told this woman, go to your neighbors and borrow from your neighbors empty vessels. Everybody say empty vessels. He say borrow them from all of your neighbors He says, liquidate. I want you now to go outside of your house and start getting some things. Empty out what you've got, but go ahead now and get empty vessels from your neighbors. Get rid of the things that are excessive in your life so you can make room for God's increase in your life. Come on now. You know, those things, you know, we've moved and we were planning to move here uh, just a few months back. And um, it's amazing to me, anytime you move, if you haven't touched the box in seven years, you're probably not going to touch it the next seven Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, but we're going to go through it when we move. No, you won't. You'll look up seven more years, and that stuff still, it'll be, it'll be yellow. <laughs> you know, you go through your, 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 your closet, and um, there are things that still have tags on them, ladies and gentlemen, that we can take and sow into somebody's life to enrich their lives. Because here's the, here's the principle, Proverbs 11:25: the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters will be watered also himself. There are people that would give everything they have to have the life that you and I right now many times overlook. So everybody say liquidate. Liquidate. The second thing he told her to do, not only I want you to liquidate, but I want you to evaluate your situation. In other words, change the way you think. He says, don't borrow a few vessels, but borrow many. I'm telling you, you serve a God right now that wants to exceed far above what you may be expecting right now. I'm going to say this again. The life that God has for us to live is far greater than what we may even have in mind. Now, I'm not talking about selfish ambition. See, the whole goal is we are to be blessed to be a blessing. God wants you and I, our lives to be trophies of victory for the world. The world doesn't need another defeated marriage. They've got enough of that. But they need to see something in our lives that attracts them to the message we have in our hearts. And one of the greatest ways for the world to hear what you've been saying is to see how you live. Now, my folks used to say this. I can't hear what you're saying for seeing what you're doing. Anybody ever heard that? And you can say all day long. We can say all day long what we want. But until our lives reflect the fact of what we're, you know, your life really validates what you say. You tell your wife all day long, sweetheart, I love you. You know, my wife, I can't talk for you. My wife, love for her, her love language is be home at night. Is pay the bills. Take out the trash. Come on. Tell me how we going to get it done. My wife is a master of asking why. Amen. Come on. She's a master of saying no. Her name's Mona. Two, a half of her name is no. And she's an account. <laughs> she's, she's an account. If you went to English, you'll get that one. 
And she's an accountant by trade. So, you know, she's, she's well-versed at saying no. Sweetheart, we need no. Well, how are we going to do that? And listen, let me keep moving because I don't, I like sleeping home. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he said, liquidate, evaluate your situation. Don't think small, but think bigger than you've been thinking. The third thing he told her, return to your house and shut the door on your neighbors. Isolate. And I'm going to say this to you. Um, for, for, for some of us here, um, where God wants to take you, you can't go there by committee. See, there's things that God wants to do in your life that you can't keep looking to people to validate that. Amen. You can't keep talking to other people about what God has told you for your house. Because everybody, you, everybody can't go in the promised land together. Everybody's just not going to go. So she had to go in her house and shut the doors after she'd already borrowed from the neighbors. Because outside is a bunch of crowd noise. And I found out that what God wants to do in your life, many times you can't discuss what God is doing in your life with everybody. Because right. there's a lot of noise that doesn't really matter. And if you talk to people, they will talk you out of what God has put in your life for your life. At some point in time, you got to realize that what God has said to me, I, I, I validate it by scripture. I run, I run it through the counsel of my spiritual leadership if I need that counseling. But then when it's all said and done, at some point, you got to shut the door and it's just you and God and what he's told you to do and you just obey. It'd be great if everybody saw the vision. Wouldn't it be great? Well, if I were pastor, Hoss, you're not the pastor. Because I found when I was pastoring, everybody had an idea of how it should be done. But everybody didn't want to go to the hospital at 3.15 in the morning when somebody's in an accident. And their life needs to be repaired and they need someone to speak into their life and to pray for them and to be with them. Everybody don't want to be there then. But I know how to run this church, Doc. Yeah, but, you, you, but it's more to it than that, Hoss. <laughs> my, my apologies if your name Hoss, okay? Nothing. No. <laughs> He said, shut the door on your neighbors. So shut the door on all their inquiry, all their opinion regarding what you're doing. Shut the door. Liquidate, evaluate, isolate. Here's the fourth thing. Gather your sons and then pour out of your singular vessel into all of your borrowed vessels. Demonstrate to your children what God wants to do in your family. And I, I, believe it, I believe it's the will of God for, uh, for our children to, to hear the stories of what God is doing in our house. You know, when, when, when you were down and out, you know, Pastor Wade, Pastor Cynthia, I'm talking to folks that never had any kind of challenge, I know. Ne ne never had any kind of, never, never your back was against the wall. Am I? Am I? Anybody ever had something where God came through for you? Let me hear you today. Well, I don't believe it's the will of God for us to have those victories and our children are scratching their heads wondering how it happened. No, it wasn't credit repair. No, it wasn't the government. No, it wasn't luck. It was the hand of God. It was God coming through for us. It was God being faithful to us. This is how we are here today. My marriage is where it is today because it was God's hand in my marriage. It wasn't all my smarts. My smarts had me going... This girl was heading to get an annulment. I didn't even know how to spell the word. She was going to get an annulment. It would have been like I'd never existed. But God, through a series of events, worked and reached into our marriage and brought restoration. And we are here to tell our son, this is what God did. See, your children need to see God come through for you. Your kids need to see you pray about a situation and shut the door to everybody's opinion. And just you and God standing on his word, declaring his word, believing his word, getting wisdom from his word. And just stand with dogged determination until it shows up. And then tell your kids, this is what these stones mean. God told Israel, there's coming a day when your sons are going to ask you these stones of an altar that have been built as a memorial to the faithfulness of God. What do these stones mean? And you're going to tell them all the time when God brought you out of Egyptian bondage, when God delivered you with a strong and mighty hand, when God came through for you, when your backs were against the wall, when Pharaoh was behind you, when the Red Sea was in front of you. This is what God did. Make no mistakes about it. And we do our children a disservice not to tell them of the goodness of God. It wasn't luck. 
You're too blessed to be lucky. Luck is a step down for your life. You are blessed and highly favored of God. If you were lucky, Jesus would have at least talked about it in one of the four Gospels. He never called you lucky. God called you blessed. You are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You're blessed in the basket. You're blessed in... I wish I talked to somebody today that could hear me. Is my mic on? I say you are blessed going in and you are blessed coming out. And your children need to know that. And the church said amen. Hey, don't pay him any attention, okay? Keep on listening. <laughs> he's just, he just warming me up. He's just warming me up. Come on. <laughs> Come on now. Not only I want, he said, for you to isolate, I want to demonstrate my power, but look what he said. The last thing he told her, he says, now when you pour out and you keep pouring until all those vessels have been exhausted, she, this widow said, bring me, yet an- bring me some, another vessel. Her son said, there's no more. At the moment that she expanded and she exhausted all of what she was told to do, that's when the resources or that miraculous resource stopped. Here's what the prophet said when she came back to him. He says, now, take what you have, sell what you have, pay off your debts, and now live off of the rest. In other words, pay off everything that was a problem to you. And then now contemplate and think about how life can be now going forward without everything that you had in your past that was trouble for you. Contemplate. I don't believe that God has designed our lives as believers to to live from paycheck to paycheck and be in the grind of living. I believe that God designed our life to be in the grace of living. See, my father, um, Robert Cooper, I saw the toil and all of the, he was a businessman, an entrepreneur in his heart. And um, I saw all of what owning a business did to him and how it it wrung his life out in a lot of ways. It took years off of his living. And and I decided I would never do that. I wouldn't do that. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So I, I decided to go to college and run away from that. And I ran into a desire to do what he was doing. But I realized that my father left something for me that was far beyond what was in my house. It was far beyond what was in my hand, rather. And uh, my father um, went to 10 years of school back in, in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, in, in his community, it wasn't that, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was, um, he had other things he had to do. So he didn't finish school, but you never know it talking to him. He had more business knowledge than most guys had forgotten. And um, so he and my mom got together, and in 1965, while he was riding the merchant ships, um, God gave him a recipe for a sauce. And that sauce became the signature sauce for his restaurants. Um, they're going to flash a picture of my dad, Robert Cooper here. Uh, it became the signature sauce for his restaurants in Jacksonville. He was doing it during a time. That's dad. That's pop. He was doing it during a time when in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, the ethnic climate in the South wasn't quite like it is right now. And um, against all opposition, against everything, him and my mom, uh, they were together. And uh, they, yeah, that's, that's my mom. That's my mom. That's my mom and dad. Mom's 90, 90 years old. She'll be 91 in August. And, um, and uh, so yesterday I went shopping for her and took her some groceries and all that good stuff. She's still doing well. Uh, but my dad left this thing that was in his hand. He left it for his house. You know, the Bible says that a good man leaves a debt cancellation plan for his children's children. I'm sorry, not a debt cancellation plan. He leaves an inheritance. And see, God defines fathers. Your greatness is not in what you can give your kids, but what can you leave them? Sometimes we try to give them everything. No, what can you leave them? What inheritance can you leave them? And I didn't know it at the time, but my dad was leaving me an inheritance. So we went through, um, we would talk, my dad and I, in um, 19, in the early 90s, we moved to Denver. I was a youth pastor <laughs> uh, at a church in, in Colorado. My dad and I would talk about his dream because he was approached several times to take his sauce and market it and take it into the retail space. And he, 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 um, he turned it down. He had nine, it was nine children, seven boys and two girls. I don't think he saw the time to do that. <laughs> nine kids, you ain't got a lot of time to do a lot. We had time to do some things. But, you know, 
may not have saw the time to do that. But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No twins either, so he had at least nine opportunities, okay? But, um, but anyway, but, um, but, but he, when, when he finally had a desire to do that, the door had closed. And um, here I am in college, uh, got my degree, but there's no business for me to put my hands to as such that was my father's. So over time, he and I were talking, we would talk about the dream, the dream. Well, in 07, he relocated, went to heaven, didn't even ask me, just went to heaven. And um, left me to now with a dream and a desire to, to carry on what was in his hand that made its way into his heart, into our house. So through a series of events, and thank God for your pastors, uh, I remember just talking to Pastor Wade and just sharing some things while we were still in the process of everything, this dream coming to pass. It looked like it wouldn't happen. But, um, but at some point when you, re when you get so far into the woods and you've been walking by faith and you've come that far by faith, um, it takes more effort to go back than it does to keep going forward. And sometimes you can get so deep in your, what God has told you to do that um, you kind of just count the cost. Um, do I take my hands off the plow and look back or do I just keep going because... There's a blessing in the pressing. And we just continue to press forward what God told you to do. Just obey God. There's a blessing. So through a series of events, we, um, we, we thought we had a product and we didn't. We'd start and we stopped. Life would happen. Then we got to a place where in late last year, it uh, looks like we, were, we, we saw the finish line. And the company that was producing this sauce that my dad came up, God gave him the recipe for it. The company that um, was producing the sauce uh, they made sample batches for us. They had all the ketchup, the specialty ketchup we needed. But then when it's time for us to get across the finish line, they say, we can't find the ketchup. There's supply chain issues. So that was not going to deny us. So we found the ketchup, and I had 700 and some odd pounds of ketchup just sitting in my foyer. If you had some French fries, you would have been in French fry heaven in my, in my foyer. Because I just had a big pallet of 700 pounds. Because what was I doing? I was nursing and I was protecting the dream that was in my heart. Hear me now. Hear me. We got that done. And finally, we got to a place where on that day, my wife and I walked into a plant outside of Orlando. And they ran the first line, the first production batches of what God had given my dad to do so many years ago. Hallelujah. So that's me. That's her, same one. That, that's the same wife that's in the picture, same one. Since then, we've been on several shows. Different ones have asked us about our story and our journey. This is a very compressed, compact uh, account of what has what is going on. But here's what the Lord had me to, to do. We just won. We were in a wine and food festival. Um, we did the food part. <laughs> Need to clarify that. We did the food part, and um, I didn't even know they were competing. I didn't even know. I, I just knew we were there to, to do what was in our heart to do. And in the middle of us serving samples and serving food and all this stuff, folks sampling the sauce, somebody came and said, hey, you, they're calling you guys on the stage because y'all won something. And come to find out we won the best meat in the competitions. So that's the first of many. And that's our, yeah, I cooked that, okay, that. That's me. I cooked that. That's not Photoshop. I cooked that. I, that's like 13 hours of cooking right there with, with, the, with, the, with the proteins, okay? So the protein is me, okay? And, um, and um, so we got to a place where what God has said to me, it actually has been coming to pass in my life. Now, I want to share this with you as I, as I finish. What's in your house? I believe that God has brought this message, and I believe God has placed this message, and there's several parts of this that God has placed in my heart, and I believe he's got me on assignment to help raise up folks in the body of Christ that God has put something in your house that you've overlooked because you're looking at your hand. You don't even see what's in your house because what's in your house can change what's in your hand. I was in the store just yesterday. My, I grew up in a black household. That ain't rocket science either. Black. Y'all hear me? Black. We, my mom used to, mama, used to always have grease on the, on, on the side. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. 
But when she would fry the bacon, you saved the grease. And that grease never molded, never went bad. You can go to college and come back after four years of college, and that grease would be at the same level, still good. I'm in the store, and I've been noticing these packages of bacon grease. You got to be kidding. They sell this stuff? I want to go back to the future. 50 some odd years and grab that stuff off the counter. <laughs> what they are selling today, that is making someone's life very rich. But it was something that's been in my family and many families many years. See, sometimes you don't know what's in your house that can change your situation. God has given you ideas, witty inventions, things that can finance the gospel. You're not going to take it and you're not going to promote an ungodly idea lifestyle. You're going to use it to build buildings and, and, to, and to bring people that are hurting into this space. Come on now. You're going to use the idea that God gave you to promote the gospel, not an ungodly lifestyle. But God wants to stir up those gifts, those things that are in you, ideas, recipes, my dad, the recipe my dad had, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. The recipe my dad had, my dad got the recipe because he was a baker on these oil tankers. He, he, he was a merchant marine for years. He would ride the oil tanker, and when the guys that were over him in seniority wanted to protect their job, they would send him out of the galley so he wouldn't know the trade secrets of their recipes. Well, when they were sending him out, he would start experimenting with spices. Little did they know all those years ago that the inspiration for him to come up with the sauce that came out in 2023 was birthed by somebody trying to shoo him out of something that... See, what people are doing to work against you, keep your heart right. Because what God has placed in your heart that he wants to bring out of your life is far greater than what you may be seeing right now. So the grace of God that's on your life will insulate you where you don't have to be in the grind of life. So I declare today in Jesus' name that witty ideas, witty inventions, that that recipe and that thing that your, that your grandma, you know, that little twist to a recipe that she came up with, that you thought, oh, that could never do anything. I got some information to share with you at another time <laughs> that, that um, it is more easy. It's easier than you think, especially when the hand of God is on it. Now, you're going to have to have a dogged determination. You're going to have to let the spirit of quit get off of you. But God will take what's in your hand. See, this woman that had the oil, if she were in 2023, she'd get a Facebook page. Come on. Come on. She'd have a Reels on Instagram, and she'd have oil of Israel. Y'all hear me? <laughs> but God, the prophet said, take what you have, pay off your debt, and then live off of the rest. You've been working, but God has already given you things that are take your family and take your church and take the kingdom of God and advance it to places that you knew not of. What's in your hand? What's in your heart? What's in your mouth? What's in your house? Father, thank you. We thank you for your word today. I pray that insight revelation, witty inventions, ideas that people will begin to stir up. You'll begin to, to speak to them about going back and dusting off that dream, that thing that's been in their house that you gave them, that it'll be a tool. Yes, it'll be a catalyst. It'll be a tool to unlock the vault of resources that'll change their family line, that'll impact the kingdom of God, that'll cause us to get this gospel preached to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. I told y'all, this man is a gift. I mean, just speaking it today, and I found myself getting emotional just listening to the story just after having conversations with Andre to go for it and he went for it and it's not just making a difference in his life but his son's life and even in our lives and I'm just I want to say that I'm so proud of y'all I am and, and not just because you're taking that step but 
you're literally breaking the mold of what ministry looks like through what God's doing through your family. And uh, wasn't it good today? That was so good. So one of the things that he was talking about was making room in your house. And uh, if you ever set up for an event at your home, you notice how much clutter you got. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you ever move, you realize we got a lot of stuff in here that needs to go. Anybody? Can I get a witness? I was with Kevin and Michelle the other day helping them get some things loaded up. And Kevin said, I just don't know where all this stuff comes from. <laughs> he said, you can just keep getting rid of things day after day. And during the message today, I started thinking, what, what's cluttering up our lives? What's the thoughts that's been cluttering up your life? What's the, the old sayings that you have held on to because they, they make you feel good in a moment, but they don't change anything in your future. It's the same old conversation when you don't know what to say to anybody else, so you say what you always said. But God speaks a better word, and He speaks a different word. And this morning, I just believe the Lord is saying, there's some clutter that we need to get out of our house. There's some sin that we need to get out of our house some habits that need to get out of our house. There's some language that we need to get out of our house. And I'm not just talking about in your home. I'm talking in your own personal mouth. There's some stuff that we're carrying around in our hearts and it's got to get it out because it's taking up room for what God wants to put in there. And this morning, I just want you to stand to your feet as we wrap up this service today. You know what it is. And in fact, I think you already know what you need to do. We've become so practical in our world that everything has to be broken down and broken down and broken down to the, 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 the nth degree of steps that we've got to take. And all that has become is a delay for us to not take the step that we know we got to take. And I just feel the Spirit of God right now. Because there's people in this room, you know the step that you need to take to get rid of some things in your life, but also to step into some things into your life today. And I, my prayer today is this, is that you will make a decision. That you will decide from now on. It, it, it will become your, your, your motto from now on. That word is not going to be spoken in my mouth anymore. From now on, that thought, that saying is going out of the window. It's gone. It's out of my house. That activity, no longer in my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. In my marriage, we're not using the D word anymore. And that's divorce. Amen. Too many of y'all throwing that around like it's an option instead of working. And shutting your mouth sometime. Anyway, let's get back to the service. Amen. But I feel the spirit of the Lord saying all this today. We've been playing patty cake church for too long and wanting everything to get good. And it ain't good. You can only pretty it up so much before you got to deal with it. Amen. I believe today the Lord's planted some seeds. But if we're going to grow something and get a harvest, there's some junk in the field that's got to go. So, Father, today I pray for every person here that knows that there's things in their life, things in their house, habits that need to be broken, words that no longer need to be said, fights that need to end, the past that can no longer repeat itself. It's under the blood. It's redeemed. Father, I just pray today that there will be a from now on spirit that comes upon every person, that the spirit of fear will be broken, and Father, we will walk in the grace that you give us. And Father, I just pray all the clutter 
that has been in our lives, Father, we will begin to remove it. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace that forgives. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace that redeems. But, Father, we also understand there's also a discipline. The grace of God leads to godliness. There needs to be some change. And, Father, that's my prayer that we will make the decision today that it's going to change. The attitudes are going to change. The hearts are going to change. The minds are going to change. Father, I pray now that decisions that are being made across this room won't just last for today, but they will go into our tomorrows. We make the decision today and we'll manage it each and every day by taking steps. I pray for that person that is away from you today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray today they will make the decision. Come on, believers, pray with me. They will make the decision to no longer allow the sins of their past to clutter their lives. But today they make the decision to allow you, Jesus, to come and make way, to come and make a way for them to, to be poured out, all of the mess poured out, so that you can pour into their lives all the forgiveness and all the grace that they need. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to lead the congregation in this prayer, and I want to ask everyone to repeat it after me today. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me and for making a way for me to find forgiveness so that I can know my Father in heaven. I confess today that I need you, Jesus, and I ask you to cleanse me and make me a new person. Remove the clutter in my life so I can be filled with your life. I surrender my heart to you and I give you my life. I decide now I'm going to live my life your way. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Change me and make me who you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen.